Hi friend, this is Alex McGrobs, founder of The Mindful Life Practice, and you're listening to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast. I'm a Canadian who moved across the world to the Middle East at age 23, and I never went back. I got sober in 2019, and I now live full-time in Bali, Indonesia. I've made it my mission to help other women around the world stop drinking, start yoga, and change their lives through my online Sober Girls Yoga community. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl. I am really excited today to be sitting with Amanda Kuda. And Amanda and I have been trying to get a podcast interview organized for like at least six months, mostly due to my um, (laughs) traveling and uh, wild schedule. And so I'm really excited that it's finally happening. And I get to sit down with Amanda today and hear her story and her journey with sobriety. So welcome, Amanda. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you. I'm so excited that we are finally getting to chat. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's um, really exciting to finally sit down and after all that kind of back and forth. So that will be great. (laughs) And Amanda is a lifestyle coach for women that are exploring sobriety. Yeah. Awesome. So maybe we can start out and you can just share a little bit about you, kind of where you're located, a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I am living now in Austin, Texas for the past six years. I think I got here before it was cool. Everyone else is moving to Austin right now. It's such Mm -hmm. a hotbed for spiritual people and entrepreneurs. And I am, when I moved here to Austin, Alex, I was in this really interesting place where I have really started to kind of up-level my life. I had started to, I was practicing yoga regularly. I was going to the gym. I was eating well. I was like dipping my toe into the pond of spirituality, really starting to read a lot of spiritual books and, you know, just devour anything, any books by anyone who's basically been on Oprah's super soul Sunday. I was, you know, just on this path. And I thought that when I moved to Austin, I was going to, um, really change my life. I thought that I was going to just live this entirely different in this entirely different space. I thought that Austin was this like hippie yoga community where people didn't really drink and maybe they smoked a little bit of pot, but I had never been to Austin. So I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I just moved here sight unseen and I moved here and we can like kind of dive into the story, but that's really what set me on really my transformational journey with alcohol, because I'll tell you what, it wasn't what I thought it wasn't this new place to transform. It was actually a place to really challenge my identity and what I thought about myself. And so, um, I went on a transformational journey moving here and over the past five years, um, I've been alcohol free. And four of those years, I have been coaching women who want to be, um, electively sober. So that's what I call myself. I say, I practice elective sobriety, sobriety by choice, because it wasn't this rock bottom thing that I had to do. I didn't need to go to recovery or do 12 steps, which no shame. Those are things that whatever tool works for you. But for me, that wasn't my path. And so I started putting together my own path and people started reaching out and wanting to work with me. So for the past four and a half years, I've been coaching in this space and it's just been the biggest miracle and calling and fulfillment of my potential that I would have never truly imagined. I could not have told you I would have been here six years ago. That's incredible. And elective sobriety. I love that. I've actually never heard that term before. Do you think that's something, have you coined that? Have you heard it elsewhere or I wouldn't say that I made it up, but I wouldn't say that I did it. I have no idea where I got it. It was just one of those things that I was trying to explain 
you know, what it is that I practice. And a lot of times I say that I live an alcohol-free lifestyle because it's very similar to me to like gluten-free or, you know, whatever other dietary lifestyle you live. But I also wanted to explain it using other terms. And so I toy around and depending upon who I talk to, I explain it differently. And elective sobriety has been one of the things that's resonated. So yeah, I don't know where exactly it came from, if it came through me or if I maybe like picked it up unwittingly somewhere, but it seems to be a good way to explain the way that I got to this path. Yeah, I love it. And I love it because it kind of falls into the category of like, people call it gray, you know, gray area drinking. I'm sure you've heard that. Mm -hmm. But what I like about elective sobriety is that it's about like, elective is kind of talking about like the action and the choice to become sober, Mm -hmm. as opposed to gray area drinking is kind of referring to the problem. Um, mm-hmm. which is the consumption, you know? Ooh, I love that. I love that differentiation. Yeah. Because I was a gray area drinker, but now I am electively sober. So that's the identity I like to pursue versus the thing that I was in the past. Yeah. I love that. And oh, so for that. Tell, me, tell me about what made you move to Austin? So I, If we want the full story, I'll give you the condensed version. It was pure serendipity. I had lived in, I was living in the Midwest and I lived in, um, that college town that I left for school and then grad school. And then at my, my first big kid professional job. And I, I started to sense that I needed to get out of there. Like Mm -hmm. everything seemed to be turning into this fun, fabulous see and be seen lifestyle where all the young professionals were always out at happy hour, charity events out on the boat. And there seemed to be no way for me to escape this lifestyle of basically detox, retox, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was just always in perpetualist social drinking cycle. And I had this opportunity. I basically was asked on a date to Austin by what I would say at that point, I was in my Carrie Bradshaw phase. And this man was like the Mr. Big to my Carrie Bradshaw handsome, a little older, chivalrous, intelligent, successful. And I had never been asked on a date like that. Like, let me, let me sweep you away somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so he invited me to come meet him in Austin. And I thought, you know what, live a little Amanda, go and do that. And long story short is a girlfriend convinced me to look for a job while I was in Austin. The guy canceled on the date, but still paid for the plane ticket. So basically this gentleman comes into my life, gives me a plane ticket to Austin and then disappears out of the picture, like divine intervention from the universe could not have had more serendipities happen to line me up to get me to Austin. And so I got the, I got a job and that was all miraculous as well. And I just manifested this, get me out of one place and move me to the next one. And Really what I wanted though, with that move from Austin is I was just getting out of a toxic relationship that was really, really focused on drinking. Most of our connection and vulnerability was done while partying, which as you can all guess is not very healthy and happy and does not make for a great relationship. And it just so happened too. here's another great connection. That guy had moved away for several months. And so he'd been out of the picture, but literally the day that I got in my car and packed my stuff for Austin and got on the road he moved back. So it was like the universe had orchestrated this thing to pluck me out of danger and put me in a new place. And Austin, right. It wasn't like, I could not have planned any of this. I just had to listen to the call. And this was really my first experience with manifestation and being guided by the universe to do something that made absolutely no sense. And 
when I got to Austin, I had this, like I told you this fantasy that I would just become this like yoga health wellness person. But if you've ever heard the phrase, wherever you go, there you'll be. I got to Austin and I hadn't changed on the inside. I expected this miracle to happen just because I was in a new environment. And while that did help, I will say what ended up happening is I fell right back into that same young, successful, going out on the weekends crowd. And I went down into a spiral of social drinking again, and it just didn't feel good. And finally it felt not good enough that I said, you know what, I've got to do something different. I cannot keep living like this. And I'm sure like you and a lot of your listeners have had a similar experience to that. Yeah. Wow. What an incredible story and incredible journey and, Mm -hmm. um, such a, sounds like the universe was really just like guiding you and you just had the courage to kind of listen and do something that was totally beyond or outside of your comfort zone or outside of what made most sense at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Some, someone somewhere was watching over me and I had the wherewithal to listen. And that's the only way that I can explain it because it was completely out of character for me to do any of those things. And it was all just divine intervention. That's incredible. Yeah. And I love that quote that you shared. You said, wherever you'll go, there you'll be. I've never mm-hmm. heard that before, but it's so true. It's like, um, I've heard like, no matter how far you go, your problems follow you, you know, yeah. like wherever you are, your problems will be there. Yeah. And I'm sure that you experience this in lots of ways because you've moved around a lot in the past yeah. few years. And I'm sure that you experience the miracle of new possibility and becoming mm-hmm. a new version of you every place you move. But then there's always you're bringing along the suitcases from old you too. So you have to decide like, am I going to take this opportunity to actually unpack this baggage or am I just going to expect that it magically disappears? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so tell me about the build up to and the, the break from alcohol. Yeah. So like many people, um, at that time, or at any time, I really struggled with wanting to change my relationship with alcohol because I felt like in my core that I needed to do this thing. But there was also this dissonance of, well, I built my whole persona around being this party girl, being this socialite. And if I quit drinking, then who will I be? How will I have friends? How will I have a social life? How will I date? And not only how will I do that, but some like little belief inside that was really quiet of you're not cool enough to be anyone without alcohol, right? Because I started drinking as an adolescent to fit in just to be like everyone else. And so there was this deep fear of who will I be without this? And so I kept kind of talking myself out of, well, you don't have a problem. So you don't, you don't have to quit drinking. You could just cut back. And I tried that several times through several different methods and several different processes and was pretty unsuccessful every time. So finally I just went through this and I can't tell you, Alex, how many times I Googled how to quit drinking if you're not an alcoholic or how to moderate alcohol, if you're not an alcoholic and all of the things that we've all Googled and found ourselves Googling. And the problem is, is that we convince ourselves that if we, and I've actually heard quotes that say, if you have to look up, if if you have to like Google, if you have a drinking problem or not, you probably have a drinking problem. And I'm going to call BS on that because that's the only model we're taught. Of course I Googled, do I have a drinking problem? Because there's, there was no other model at the time for me. There was no other question for me to ask. And what I should have really been asking is, is drinking contributing to me living the life that I'm meant to live? Mm -hmm. And ultimately the answer was no. 
And so what I realize is that you don't have to have a problem with alcohol for it to be a problem and be creating problems in your life. And I just decided on, you know, at the end of 2016, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm supposed to be someone else. I have no idea who I'm supposed to be because I'm too caught up in this lifestyle that I've created. And I know that the only way I'm going to find that most authentic version of me is if I stop drinking. And so I did it in little bitty spurts. I stopped drinking on new year's day, 2017 for 30 days. And then I got to the end of that. And I kind of had that intuition that, you know what, sister, 30 days is nothing. You cannot expect this miracle that you have, you know, all of a sudden been like a born again, uh, virgin drinker that is, you know, going to be reset to zero. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to do 90 days. So I did 90 and then I did six months and then I'm like, screw it. I'll do the full year. And through that process, I started working on myself because I had the space to, and the mental capacity. And by the end of that year, I kind of got to this place of, I don't need this anymore. My life is only incrementally better than it was before. And incrementally that small increment incremental change was still so massive that I knew I didn't want to go back to that old path. And that's kind of when I really started talking about my journey and started coaching women as well, who were kind of feeling the same, like they didn't have a problem. They didn't want to do 12 steps. They didn't want to get a sponsor or go to recovery, but they wanted to quit drinking. And it's still actually pretty hard. Even if you don't have a physical or mental deep dependency, that's requiring some sort of intervention. It's still difficult just because of the world we live in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So how long has it been now? Almost five years. Have you been five Since years? Five over? and a half. Yeah. So five seven, 20, January 1st, 2017. Yeah. It's coming up right at five and a half years now, which that's is incredible. nuts. I just didn't, this is not where I thought I would be. Yeah. That's incredible. And it sounds like you had a very similar journey with to me in that I only initially stopped, I think for 28 days and then mm -hmm. thought, you know, I could drink again. And then it was 90 days. And then by the time I got to a year, I was like, my life is just so much better. Like, why would I go back? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that you, and I have kind of similar paths in that we had this like pull towards, you know, spirituality and yoga and wellness yeah. and different philosophies, but for me, and I don't know if you, this resonates with you, that I was doing all of those things, but it was really performative because I couldn't figure out how to make it like click and right. really work. Like I was doing the yoga, I was doing the meditation, I was doing the mantras and the affirmations, but I still didn't feel that thing that everyone was describing. And finally I had to do the math and say, okay, is there some variable in here that no one's really talking about that maybe is like really screwing with my ability to access this feeling and this aliveness yeah. and this like connection to the universe that I know is out there, but I just wasn't getting there. And sure enough, when I took that one variable out of the picture, everything just fell into place. Wow. Was that similar for you? I definitely feel like I went through periods of my yoga journey when I was really connected with it. And most of those times were like on my two yoga teacher trainings, I was mostly sober. I did drink. Mm -hmm. Um, I did drink all my days off, but that would be like once a week. And mm -hmm. in those times I felt really connected to my spirituality, but I don't think I realized the role that my sobriety played in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's because we don't want to look at it. Right. So even though we 
know that we feel better. Right. We don't want to necessarily know why, because then once you know, you can't unknow it and you have to make changes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so when did your, when did you start coaching people? How did that start come about? You know, I need to actually do a highlight reel of all the ways that men who I dated have come into my life and magically put me into a path of my destiny. Because, you know, we had this one guy who got me to Austin, which was very transformational. And he actually really kind of set me in some ways on this spiritual journey as well. Um, but my first year of not drinking, I had started like a cute little blog and a cute little Instagram, um, where I was just going to anonymously share some of my experiences, because let me tell you what, Alex, I was terrified for whatever reason that someone who I knew or someone through from my past would see me talking about spirituality and wellness and sobriety and be like, well, who is she to do that? Um, or that one of my friends would see it and start to judge me. And I late in that year, late in 2017, I had started dating this guy who we, who I really, really liked. Like I just felt this like spark and connection. And I could tell that he thought that me not drinking was a value add. Like I could see it in his eyes that it made me like a unicorn compared to the other women he was dating. And on our second date, we second or third date, maybe we sit down for dinner. And the first thing he says is I found your blog. And I don't know what my face looked like, Alex, but I was just in pure terror because that was my sacred blog that no one was supposed to find. And if they were supposed to find it, it was supposed to be someone like someone listening right now who needed to hear it. Not a guy who I was trying to impress and go out on dates with. So it's like he, he saw into my diary. And at first I was horrified because I was horrified. You can imagine why, but also it was such a gift because he had just ripped off the sacred bandaid of exposure. And now that it was out there and someone who I cared about impressing had seen it, I didn't give a shit anymore. And I just started sharing everything as boldly and loudly as I could, because he had given me this sacred gift of visibility and long story short, like we like broke up a little bit thereafter, but it was such a beautiful gift that he gave me this gift of being seen and embracing being seen. And it was right after that, that people started coming out of the woodwork and asking to work with me. And so I had, I had trained to be, I had been a business um, coach and trainer in my past career. And I had done some additional training to be, to do life coaching, but I hadn't, I had, I was just going to do general, whatever. I hadn't decided on any sort of niche and as it happens, the niche came to me. And this is truly what I believe and know that I'm supposed to be doing at this point in my life, because for the type of woman who I work with and who you work with and who listens to this podcast, I know that you have a level of potential that is bottled up in you through drinking that cannot be expressed and cannot be reached and cannot be tapped into until you get that variable fully out of the way and start to live in your most highest form of authentic expression. And that's what I found in my life. And if I can provide tricks or whatever to get there, I just feel so passionate about wanting to do that. And so, yeah, that uh, another man comes in and, and guides me on in a different direction is the, the, the moral of my, it's like my karmic uh, pattern here. It's so incredible. And I love how Like, I just feel like so many parts of that story resonated with me because I was thinking like, 
as you were sharing that, I was like, hmm, I've had like a few moments like that too, where like I've had men in my life and then it's been like a destructive breakup that has like completely changed the path of my life, you know, and put me mm-hmm. in a different direction. And yeah. so that really resonated with me. And what also really resonated with me is you sharing that, you know, you didn't choose your niche and the niche kind of chose you. And mm-hmm. I actually was just at a wedding on the weekend seeing all these high school friends. And that was exactly how I described myself. I said, I didn't choose sobriety. Sobriety chose me. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't something that I ever wanted. I didn't want it to be part of my identity. Like when I first got sober, it was kind of like, you know, my first post was when I was like 90 days sober. And then, you know, I did a couple sobriety posts here and there, but I was like, still kind of Alex, the yoga girl. That was how I identified. Mm -hmm. And then Um, I had a client who, who hired me to be a life balance coach. And then, you know, midway through, he's like, I, you know, I'm struggling with my drinking. I need to take a break from drinking, coach him through 90 days. You know, he wrote me a letter saying, thanks for saving my life. And I was like, that's it. Like I'm a sober coach. (laughs) Yeah. Something that pulls at you to do. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think that most I think that's a really beautiful way to find your calling. And I, you know, I work with women who are looking to kind of find that next version of themselves. And the thing is you have to be patient and you have to listen because all of the things lined up. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I truly didn't pursue what I do right now because I didn't even know it was possible. It didn't exist when I started. And, you know, around the same time you started, it just wasn't, it wasn't a thing that existed. And all the more reason to jump in and do it, even though it is a small emerging market, it is a place that there's so much need for Mm -hmm. support and so many women and men out there who are drinking in an area that they feel comfortable that need a little support to tip over the edge and go to this next level version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So what kind of work do you do now in sobriety and where can people find you? Yeah. So I do a couple of different, um, I have a couple of different kind of signature programs that I do. Mm -hmm. I, um, I have my, you know, just basic, you know, let me help you quit drinking. Let me help you elect into sobriety and kind of navigate some of those basic things, um, and coursework and coaching one-on-one coaching that I do. But the two programs that I'm most passionate about that I really feel are kind of my signature style is, um, one that's called unbottled potential. And it's where I teach you to take sobriety and use it as a platform to step into your truest potential, your highest form of self-expression and authenticity in all areas of your life, because you really have no idea how much alcohol has held you back in your emotional expression, Mm -hmm. in your relationships, in your career, in your physical health and wellness, in your mental health and wellness, um, in your spirituality and your ability to manifest and call in abundance. So I really am passionate about using alcohol, um, alcohol free lifestyle as a platform of potential, a platform for potential. And that is some of the biggest work I do. In fact, I have, um, a book coming out next year that I just turned in the manuscript for that really focuses on that topic. And that leads me to my second kind of place that I teach that I'm really passionate about, which is the intersection of spirituality and manifestation and sobriety and how sobriety actually creates the platform for you to become a magnet for all your truest desires. And if I could sit here and tell you all of the things, Alex, that I have manifested with actually a lot of ease since I quit drinking, you would have no question that clearing up that pathway has created a feel like just a portal of abundance for me. And I'm not someone who comes from any sort of privileged background 
And so having this level of miracle show up in my life where I am always, always attracting big things and little things that I want, um, is pretty profound. So I teach also a, a foundational course called stop drinking, start manifesting. That is probably my favorite thing to do because it is my most, it's just my most profound and advanced thinking and thoughts and philosophies. And yeah, anyone who resonates with anything that I've shared today can find me on Instagram. I primarily hang out there, um, at Amanda Kuda and there's, you know, depending upon when this airs, there's always a program or something or one-on-one opportunity to work with me that's out there. But the, the fundamentals that I operate on are helping you unbottle your potential and helping you manifest the life of your dreams. And for me, the foundation to do both of those has been sobriety and, that's also why I'm just not interested in drinking ever again, even though I could, I'm sure mm-hmm. it's just, my life has been so great without it, that it's just insignificant and unimportant in my life. That's so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. And yeah. Thank you. I have one last question for you. Um, mm-hmm. if you were, if someone asked you your advice for the beginning of a sober journey, what advice would you mm-hmm. give? Yeah. You know, there are so many pieces. There are so many pieces that I would offer, but I think the biggest thing is there's so many times when you can doubt yourself or talk yourself out of pursuing this journey. Um, but I believe that if you've had the curiosity about sobriety, that that curiosity was not put on your heart for no reason whatsoever. Anytime your inner guide nudges you or points you in a direction, it is so important to follow that nudge because everyone doesn't get the nudge to change the relationship with alcohol. And if that is a gift, a thought, an idea pattern that you've been given, it is so important that you explore it. It's not nonsense. It's not, um, it's not some sort of punishment. It is not you, um, going overboard or obsessing about something. It is an important redirection that your inner guide has offered you. And if you find yourself trying to talk yourself out of being alcohol free, maybe you're trying to talk yourself into moderating or whatever it is that you are trying to kind of bypass that thought. I just want you to remember your inner guide does not whisper to you at random. And if that thought has been placed on your heart, you will never feel fully fulfilled and satisfied until you at least give it a solid chance to pursue it. So, you know, whether it's with Alex or me, or one of the other many, many, many emerging people out there doing the sobriety thing, you really have to pursue that because your heart will call to you over and over until you give it a solid shot. Amazing. Oh, Amanda, it's been so amazing to finally chat with you and so inspiring to hear your journey and how it sounds like um, really followed this path of like what has been laid out for you by the universe. And it's so Mm -hmm. inspiring to hear all of the things that you manifested in the beautiful life you've created in the past five years. Oh, thank you so much for letting me share. I really loved, I love, I love to share and speak to whomever needs to hear this today. Thank you. And I will speak to you soon. Okay. Take care. Bye. Hi friend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of sober yoga girl podcast. This community wouldn't exist without you here. So thank you. It would be massively helpful if you could subscribe, leave a review and share this podcast so it can reach more people. If we haven't met yet in real life, please come get your one week free trial of the sober girls yoga membership and see what we're all about. Sending you love and light wherever you are in the world.